0: Santon Times Studios in Africa's richest square mile. This is the Santon Times Podcast with your host, Alexander.
1: Well, thanks for that kind introduction and welcome to 2021. Welcome to the Santon Times Podcast. It's episode 39, week five of a new year. And as you can hear, got a whole new sound, a whole new fresh feel to the podcast. So uh, I'm really thrilled to have you join me for a whole new year of new podcasts, more interviews, great content, and uh, yeah, let's uh, strap in, and uh, I look forward to having you join me for the next uh, hour. If you want to get in touch with this podcast, you can email editor at santontimes.co.za. You can also connect with us on social media at Times, and our blog is under construction, but I'm looking forward to sharing uh, that new look blog with you very, very soon. It's uh, www.santontimes.co.za, but uh, all will be revealed pretty soon. If you want to subscribe, share and leave a review or rating for this podcast, I highly encourage you to do that because uh, that's the only way we grow, that's the only way we get more listeners and we get more feedback from you. And I'm really looking forward to get uh, some great feedback from you uh, on what you think of the new sound, what you think of the the fresh sort of uh, makeup of the podcast. We're going to keep the content very much along the same lines as we did in 2020, but Uh, yeah, adding on some new things, removing some other things. So welcome to you, wherever you might be. If you're listening from greater Santon uh, or beyond, uh, you're very welcome. uh, And uh, I'm thrilled to have you tune in. And uh, all is well in Santon land as always. We've had an immense amount of rain, which on the one hand has been a little bit challenging if you've been trying to dry your washing over the last two or three weeks. And uh, if you're not from Santon, well, you might not be completely familiar with it, but uh, we've had an inordinate amount of rain. It's not usual to have this much rain in January, but we've been getting the tail end of, I think it's Cyclone, Eloise. I don't think it's a hurricane, but it's a, I think it's a cyclone. And uh, that's brought with it a lot of water as uh, it made its way from Mozambique, sort of, and then took a corner over, over South Africa. But we're not complaining. The dams are filling up beautifully. The gardens are thriving, and uh, at least we've got something going for us uh, in terms of having A lot of water, if nothing else. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's still with us for another couple of weeks, I think. And let's see. Uh, Hopefully the sun will start coming out again and we can start drying our... Washing again. It's February 2021 and it's also the Santon Times' anniversary month. Uh, on the 1st of February, we celebrated our 11th anniversary or our 11th year of the Santon Times. Uh, it started on the 1st of February 2010, and it's uh, quite some time ago if you think back. Uh, it was actually a few days or a few weeks just before the Chow train opened. Uh, which wasn't a thing. So that's the rapid train to the airport and back. And I think that was the the only route that opened uh, just ahead of the World Cup. And then the other routes came online. And yo, can you believe it? 11th, 11 years. Uh, the podcast hasn't been around that long. I think we're, we're about to go into our first year as we hit uh, March. Gosh, can you believe it? We've been in lockdown for almost a year. Unbelievable. At least the, the Santon Times brand has been doing its thing for 11 years and uh, very proud of that coming up in this week's episode. Well, a new place for women to do their shopping. Uh, We speak to the founder of Women's Warehouse, which is uh, very interesting if you haven't been there. Then The Bachelorette South Africa makes its debut next week and we chat to host Jason Greer on the podcast. And we'll also be sharing the interview on YouTube. So don't miss that if you want to watch it. You can watch it on YouTube and that's a new format we are trialing and I'd love to get your feedback on that as well. And then education and work are changing dramatically and we're going to chat to someone in the space to provide some insights. But for now, as we ease into this week's episode, let's take a look at some of the news making headlines this week. Well, as we start a new year, uh, there's more than one in five properties in Santon are standing vacant. Can you believe it? The fourth quarter vacancy survey from credit bureau TPN shows Santon's vacancy rates at a staggering 22.4%, and this is uh, according to MoneyWeb. According to the survey, overall one in five, which is 20.65% rentals above 25,000 Rand per month, sit vacant. In Q1 of last year, the figure was only 16%. So we've gone from 16% to 20.65% uh, on those rentals. And you can see it. I mean, if you drive around Santon, it's been unbelievably quiet. I think a lot of people are still working from home, and I'm quite interested to see how many people actually return uh, back to Santon to work from here. Uh, I know the hotels are taking huge strains, a lot of the hotels are are closed, and uh, I had a meeting with the uh, Santon Tourism and Business Association yesterday, and we were having a chat about, like, when are things going to go back? And we were looking at uh, some of the Events that were happening just two years ago and how busy Santon was and the convention center was pumping and you couldn't get a room in Santon actually during the week uh, at the best of weeks and now things are just so dramatically different and uh, it's quite uh, nostalgic to think back to those days when Santon streets were bustling and just the whole node was just pumping uh, in terms of business and in terms of tourists and visitors so yeah we keep a close eye on that. Then an arrow hit Hadidah is on the mend. Uh, The Brinston Avian and Exotic Small Animal Clinic has treated a Hadidah which had been spotted with an arrow through its body, reports News 24. And uh, if you're from Santon, if you're from Johannesburg, you you know exactly what a Hadjadah is. It's a sort of an ibis bird that makes an unbelievable noise when it takes off and lands. And uh, a lot of people always have different explanations as to why it makes that noise. Some people say it's scared of heights. So when it takes off, uh, it gets a fright and starts screaming. Others say it's scared of heights when it lands. But either which way, if you're not from Johannesburg or not from Santon and you've never experienced this, uh, there's actually, uh, I think, a couple of videos online that people have posted when they come to Johannesburg and, and Santon for the first time and they experience this. Ridiculous screeching or screaming at like the most ungodly hour of the of the morning. It is something to get used to. I think we we who live here are used to it, but I think visitors always find it quite amusing. Well, one of these birds uh, got an arrow through it, and uh, the the news that a Hadida had been spotted flying around Johannesburg's Greenside horrified residents, who immediately mobilized to try and save the bird. Uh, it's unknown if the bird was hit by accident or through a malicious act aimed at silencing it. And I know there's been a lot of people who've been tempted to throw a rock or something at these birds as they make this unbelievable noise. Well, the Harida is now on the mend uh, at uh, a two-week rehabilitation at the Owl Rescue Centre and has also been nicknamed Cupid. Third waves and second stages. Well, as uh, Health Minister Dr. William Kizu warns that South Africa and the continent could face a possible third wave of COVID-19, ESCOM announced that stage two load-shedding is due for this coming weekend and will only end on Sunday night. During all of this, South Africa remains in an adjusted Level 3 lockdown, with many rejoicing at the fact that they can now enjoy their favourite tipple again and sit down for dinner at their favourite restaurant, among many other things. We're on so many levels and stages that uh, it's sometimes quite difficult to keep track of uh, which is which. Then Voco Johannesburg Rosebank will be the first Voco brand on the African continent. Uh, The hotel is scheduled to open later on this year. The new VOCO is situated within the bank development at the corner of uh, Craddock Avenue. And uh, it's at a prime location next to the Rosebank Mall in the zone. Also within the bank development will be Workshop 17, providing excellent co-working and shared office space with various meeting facility options. And then finally, Caxton has been laid to rest. Uh, towards the end of 2020, the Johannesburg Zoo decided to name a newborn giraffe at the zoo after the community newspaper group as a thank you for ongoing support and reporting on events. At the time, the baby giraffe was rejected by its mother as it had some deformities in its limbs and struggled to also suckle. Furthermore, Caxton struggled to walk and after much consideration, Caxton the giraffe was put down at the end of December 2020. And that's your news, making headlines in Santan this week.
0: Online. Mobile. Anywhere. Any- this is the Santan Times podcast. So the
1: other day I was out shopping, and uh, you know, as one does, one ventures around as little as possible these days. But uh, I came across this very interesting new business that's uh, that's popped up. Maybe it's been around for a bit longer than than I know, but maybe it wasn't on my radar. You know how these things are when you're looking for uh, a red car. Uh, suddenly everywhere it seems like everyone's driving a red car. In this instance, this was a really interesting concept, and I'm really thrilled to be be joined by two very influential women who started this business. It's called Women's Warehouse. And uh, on the line, I've got Nadine uh, Cleverly. She's the managing director, and I've also got uh, Jyn McClellan. She's the, the brand manager. So, Jyn and Nadine, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit more about this business, Women's Warehouse. Uh, I mean, wh- what are we expecting?
2: Yes, thank you so much. Um, Women's Warehouse is a unique concept in the world, actually. It's never been done anywhere in the world. Basically, Women's Warehouse is designed to, to educate, to empower, and to uplift women. This concept was given to me 15 years ago. I'm a, I, I'm a Christ follower, so he actually gave me this vision 15 years ago, and um, it's taken me 15 years of, of praying and, and planning and visualizing what this is going to look like. And when we were in lockdown now in March last year, when we just went into lockdown five, I think a lot of people that own their own businesses started panicking. And the only thing that you can really do in times like that is, is just to – to refocus, have a look at you know what the pros and cons are, and um, we uh, I prayed and God said to me, you need to open up women's warehouse, and I'm like, what <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic? And um, supernaturally, this has just been put together. And the concept behind it is is that um, we have a physical store which is located in Deco Park, which we've now uh, we we opened it in in um, the end of October, and we've got an online e-commerce website and then we run workshops and we're starting off with five pillars to our business we have a diy um, section we have an automotive section we've got an intimate health section we've got a safety section and we've got a household section now each one of these sections we run workshops with with these sections so if we have a look at the safety part of it we've um, partnered with a company called sabra which is um, an American brand pepper spray. The American police force actually use this pepper spray. Partnered with with them in South Africa and then with a a combat self-defense company called Color. And we are running a safety workshop actually this weekend on the 6th of February on Saturday. And what this workshop will consist of is everything to do with armed robbery. So we're looking at, at house invasions what do i do as a woman when i'm alone at home or even if i'm with my husband and my family if somebody's busy breaking into my house what is my my, my, what is my first reaction if the first reaction doesn't work what is my plan b what is my legal rights when it comes to somebody invading my home and breaking in Um, Say, for instance, I get into myself into a position, maybe I I own a firearm, I shoot the invader, what are my legal rights? Um, Am I going to go to jail because I've now shot somebody that's broken into my, my home? Um, so it's, it's really empowering us in a point where we know what our rights are. And it's the same with the pepper spray. So we are actually going to teach our girls how to use a pepper spray correctly, Mm. but also what are my rights from a legal perspective? So somebody walking aggressively towards me, I see this person as, as, um, bad intent. Um, I pepper spray this person. What are my legal rights? I now know how to use my pepper spray. I pepper spray him. Am I going to go to jail? Can this person lay a charge of assault against me? So we've actually, um, partnered with night guard and we also with the south african police force we're busy with douglas dale at the moment um and hopefully they will come on board shortly um so we and we also got um you know we're gonna have a lawyer there um explaining your rights um from that perspective and how you're going to how you're gonna deal with that situation but then that's not all But what is there's more we actually have There is more. So the workshop is also going to consist of, um, you know, how do I disarm an attacker if if he's attacking me with a knife and disarm an attacker if if I've got a gun to my head. This is a physical um, training session. So the ladies that are joining us, they're going to come in active wear and it's it's very effective. We actually last year ran an anti-rape workshop. We, um, we used again, we used um, Color as our, our self-defense company that we partnered with, and it was incredible. The girls were uplifted, mm. empowered. They walked out of there, changed. And in actual fact, we had a lady that had been raped two months prior to the workshop And while she was doing the workshop, the trainers could see that she was, you know, um, that she had gone through something traumatic and they worked through it. And afterwards, she spoke to me. She said, Nadine, this is something that has actually helped me heal. It's now I know what to do if I'm ever put in that position again. That's the workshop side of it um, from the self-defense And then, obviously, with our automotive, we've partnered with Toyota South Africa, we've partnered with Dunlop, and we've run an automotive workshop, again, teaching our girls, empowering everything that they need to know from an automotive side. How do I change my tire? What do the numbers on my tire mean? Um, How do I – I didn't know that a tire had an expiry date, for instance. Um, You know, how, how do I jumpstart my car? If I t- take my car in for a service, what are the different services that my car go for? If I'm buying a, a new car or a second-hand car, what are the trading values? How do I know that I'm getting the right trading value for my vehicle? If I'm buying a second-hand vehicle, how do I know the vehicle has been in an accident? All the relevant stuff that we t- as a, a generally don't know, um, and that's where the empowerment comes, comes in. He- so, the same with the DIY. Again, DIY, we've partnered with Bosch. And within a company called Promwell, which is the biggest tool manufacturers in South Africa, and we've taught our girls when we had our DIY workshop, everything that they need to know about the tools and what tools do I need in my home. How do I fix my leaky toilet? How do I change a valve on my tap? Practical, useful things that every woman should know. And that's really the the concept behind Women's Warehouse. Well, look,
1: I think you've laid it out fantastically. I mean, I think you've really given us the full scope of what you do. I mean, if somebody thought you're going to walk in there and you're going to get, you know, 15 shades of lip gloss and some yoga pants, that is not what this business is about. And I think you are really filling in some really interesting gaps. I mean, when you say women empowerment, you know, it's thrown around a lot as a concept. And, you know, we've also got this uh, gender-based violence, uh, you know, awareness at the moment again. But it's about putting it into practical terms, which really makes it... uh, Come to life, and I think uh, this workshop that you've got—it's uh, on the sixth of February, right? It's coming up uh, this uh, coming weekend uh, in Deco Park. Sure. Just, just give us a little bit more of the the details around. How do people get involved? What are the costs involved? Uh, wh- what can they expect?
3: Well, um, I actually attended my first workshop um, last year, the end of last year, and um, there's nothing. There's like we uh, spoke about it, Jesa, and there's no value to your safety at the end of the day. And um, it's something that you need to invest in. So we're looking at our first workshop. Um, You're looking at your gun defense. You're looking at your knife defense. You're looking at breakfast and lunch. So basically it's the morning with your girlfriends. But it's a very serious, serious scenario. So we're looking at this one is 650 Rand a person, but it includes your breakfast and lunch. It's your gun defense, your knife defense, your SAP course. We've got an attorney coming in, obviously, from the legal aspect behind, you know, your rights um, in a self-defense situation or where you have to protect yourself. Um, and then you also have your pepper spray. Um, there's, uh, you know, it's, it's again, we're saying it's not We're so into investing into our health and our wellness. Why are we not taking the stance on investing on our safety? And with color combat systems, it's such a beautiful, I mean, I was put under pressure um, in an environment where we think self-defense is just a one-on-one, we're going to have a conversation. You're dealing with a person that's actually shouting, screaming at you and taking that real life environment and putting you under a lot of pressure. So for us it's an amazing opportunity to really um with their system is take the the fear out of it and with repetitive constant guidance from color, you are actually Empowering yourself to take the emotion out of it and then to effectively protect yourself. So for us, it's we are encouraging women to invest in your safety at the end of the day. This is like a gym membership. This is like a um, you know, going for your hair and nails. This is not, this is part of your budget. This is a part of an everyday thing. So our courses are, I mean, they are really well priced as well within the price point and what you're getting out of it at the end of the day. I was completely and utterly blown away. That was my my first women's warehouse experience and for me it's something I want to invest in in with colour because they are a partner, I want to take it on my own
1: I saw your video on Instagram. Uh, I think it was one of the one of the workshops you had done. And I mean, this is military grade stuff. I mean, this isn't just sort of like us standing, you know, across from each other and theoretically going through this or kind of having sort of a play play interaction. I mean, the instructor is fully dressed in sort of body armor with a helmet and the whole lot. And I mean, you're on the ground. You're in there. I mean, he's taking the knocks. You're giving him the knocks. I mean, there is. Yeah. This is as close to real as it's going to get, and I mean, it's it's really, yeah. I mean, it, there's there's no sort of uh, two ways about it. I mean, you're going to walk away maybe with a bit of a bit of a sore arm and a bit of bruises, but I mean, you're literally getting uh, a first hand experience. You're not going to walk out of there kind of getting a sort of a, 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 a you know cola light sort of uh, vibe, um, and the same yes, with yes, a lot of the other theory. things as well.
2: Yeah, I think that you know what we've we've tried to do here is put a lady in a real life situation because let's face it um, you know gender-based violence is a very real um, thing in this country um, you know and a woman every 10 seconds a woman is either raped abused or murdered in this country and what do you do if you are sitting put in that situation and Um, somebody is trying to rape you by doing a course where you just have um, somebody demonstrating um, from afar. You're not going to have the practical experience on actually, if the guy's on top of me, how to get him off. If he's got a knife to my throat, how am I going to get him off? And that's what we do is, is we're bringing the real life situation into the training so that when it does happen to you, you are equipped and you know how to get away and that's what the the course is all about and that's what you saw in the video um and that's why you know the trainer's got a helmet on and he's he's got defense um clothing on because the girls kicked the living daylights out of him and
3: it was great <laughs> yeah it was very empowering let's just say a lot of frustration was gone leaving women's warehouse that day
1: I can highly recommend it for anybody who uh, who really wants to, as you say, get that hands-on feeling. And I think if you've got anyone in your family that you're concerned about—sisters, mothers, uh, you know, wives, girlfriends—I think this is also a great sort of uh, Valentine's Day gift, possibly. Uh, you know, something that you might want to do uh, an alternative to the chocolates and the roses. This is something that she can really use and really do. Uh, Jin McClellan and Nadine Cleverly, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this podcast. I don't think this is the last time we're going to be speaking because I think you've got quite a bit lined up uh, but before we we wrap it all up where do people go to find out about this workshop where do they book uh, how does that work so um, our
3: website we are in so retail um it- And uh, uh, online so we do have e-commerce so please visit www.womenswarehouse.co.za they can purchase anything online, they can get involved with any of of our we have got contacts They look on our website and obviously reply to any messages they can book online Um, so it's very easy to use, they can even buy vouchers for their their partners if they want to buy the course for them and also guys please don't forget to think pink this Valentine's Day, there's a lot of other things that you can see on our website as well so it's very interactive very informative and very easy to use
1: well i think that's fascinating and i think we're going to uh, still chat a bit more now you've still got quite a few other events and workshops lined up this year so thanks for making the time to uh, to chat to us this morning
3: thank you so much thanks
2: for having us thank you very much it was awesome
0: you're listening to the santan times podcast
1: Earlier this week, we scooped a first interview with Jason Greer on The Bachelorette South Africa, which is debuting next week. Uh, It's a great behind-the-scenes chat around the upcoming season. Let's take a listen.
0: This is the Santon Times Podcast. Follow us on social media. I'm so thrilled
1: to actually have South Africa's uh, host of The Bachelor. He's Jason Greer. Uh, You've uh, seen him for two seasons now. Jason, thanks so much for joining us uh, on this podcast.
4: (laughs) Uh, it's uh, really cool to be here, man. This is, I think, actually the first interview that I've done for The Bachelorette. So, Damn straight. Actually, I know, it's exciting. That, so, <laughs> Considering um, we already, we're launching next week, I mean, airing next week.
1: Yeah, February is the big month where The Bachelorette kicks off. It's the first South African Bachelorette, but you've had two yeah. uh, seasons of The Bachelor. And yeah. uh, really that's gone quite well. I mean, what's the, the, the ratings been like on this, uh, on this show?
4: I mean, the ratings obviously just gone from strength to strength. I mean, we look at the first Bachelor, which um, broke all sorts of YouTube records because uh, the first episode was on YouTube, um, and it was a phenomenal success. And then riding off the back of that success, we opened up to the second Bachelor. And I think what made the second season of The Bachelor also so successful was the fact that it was airing during a lot of lockdown. So people were kind of at home, not being forced to watch it, of course, but being home and... It was on and I think people watched it, uh, which is amazing. So it was really, really successful. And of course, now this is going to be the very first bachelorette. So this is also going to be hopefully incredibly successful as well, considering the fact that we've got, I mean, Kuniso as the bachelorette is just stunning. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how audiences take to her. So Justin, tell us a little bit more
1: about your bachelor journey. I mean, not necessarily how you went from single to being married, but I mean, how did you get onto the <laughs> show? Uh, you know, how did you end up hosting this show? I mean, how did that all come together? <laughs> uh,
4: I was very fortunate in that. I, I, I Literally, I got a phone call saying, listen, there's this opportunity for you to go and host a show. Would you be keen? Like, I called, a show. Okay, great job. Yeah, go and audition for this show. Um, and then it was really just... Uh, like a day before I went through that they said it was for the bachelor um there was a couple of uh, things that needed to be ticked off like the fact that you need to be married because you know you you can't be looking at the at the girls in the bachelor going hmm I like her um so you need to be (laughs) so you need to be married that was one of the prerequisites and I went through I I did a screen test and uh, got along really well with the director exec producers um of course I've been in the Mnet sort of fraternity for a number of years as well so we knew that we all work really well together and it just hopefully i am hoping it was it became a good fit um and i've really enjoyed the time on the show so far it really has been a lot of fun and obviously growing with the show as well and growing with the format of the show and how it all works has been uh, quite exciting well, you, you've
1: mentioned it now, and I thought it was quite an interesting uh, point you raised, that you had to be married to actually host the show, uh, mm. so you don't start thinking that it's your show, <laughs> and not but, The Bachelor's show.
4: But, but also, it's to stop the, the girls as well, and The Bachelor, from going, hmm, he's single, hmm, I'm not too sure if I like The Bachelor, I like him. So there was also a thing that had to, you know, we had to get, get a, go away with that.
1: Well, as an additional uh, fail-safe, they've also limited your time that you actually really spend on the show because I believe that you're really only on for those pockets of time and then you're gone. So you don't really hang around afterwards and join the cocktail party or whatever, the pool party. You're you're just there to (laughs) do the intro and you're out, right?
4: (laughs) Dude, I facilitate the rose ceremonies. I I facilitate the cocktail parties, um, any sort of drama and toward and some of the group dates as well. But I mean, it's really not about me at all it's it's about the relationship between the bachelorette and bachelors um to get to know the other people i mean i am really just a, the kind of a, a segue um the big brother the sort of i wouldn't say father uh, of the show but that's i'm just kind of make things happen you know
1: well Tell us a little bit more about the first episode that's, got, that's coming up now. It's normally the, the big mm. one where the, the guys arrive in all sorts of fanfare. If it's a, a fancy car or a horse yeah. or a hot <laughs> balloon or whatever it is that they do in South Africa for The Bachelorette. But it's, it's, it's an hour show or just under an hour. But how long does uh, it really take to film all of that?
4: So I think uh, the first episode will be over an hour. Um, uh, it might be an hour and a half because the first episode is always the, the big reveal, you know, all the or the contestants, if you will call them that. Um, and uh, to film that, uh, we start shooting literally as it gets dark. So, of course, we're shooting in summer, so it gets dark fairly late. And we end up finishing that shoot on the red carpet where, where Cliniso gets to meet everyone. Um, and, of course, the cocktail party um, for 5 o'clock the next morning. So it's a long night. So it's, a, it's an incredibly long night. And even though it's summer, it is... It was so cold where we shot. Um, and you'll, you'll see next week where we shot it all. Um, but it was so cold. Gosh, that evening was was, <laughs> it was unbearably cold. And I feel so bad for Clarissa because, of course, she's in this beautiful gown, freezing, you know. Um, and at like 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, it's, it's quite something.
1: Well, considering this is your first interview around the Bachelorette 2021, I mean, is there anything you can reveal or anything that you can share, like a bit of an exclusive tidbit
4: um, <laughs> around the show? Um, so, nothing's been cleared with me by the PR team. So, <laughs> I don't know what I can and not say. All I can say is that there's, you know, I, there's, a, there's some very interesting characters uh, on the show um, and some really sort of uh, dark horses, if you will. You'll see these guys coming out on the red carpet. And you go, mm, nah, he's not going to last. Meanwhile, he lasts. It's, it's quite it's fascinating how this has all turned out. It really has uh, been quite a journey, an incredibly experience. I think what I've enjoyed about this season um, is the fact that I get to interact a lot more with the guys, purely because I'm no threat, if, you're, if you call it that, to Konesa, because it's them after her. In The Bachelor, it was a bit difficult. I wasn't really allowed to spend much time with the ladies because of that fact. Uh, but now with the guys, I mean, I got along really well with them. Um, and in fact, in one of the, one of the cocktail parties, uh, we actually hear, share a shot together, which was quite fun. Um, which obviously I wasn't able to do in the last uh, couple of seasons. Well, one of the interesting things I also observed
1: with a lot of the international formats when it comes to the bachelorette and when there's a lot of guys vying for one lady is that they end up sort of a, being a bit of a buildup of camaraderie amongst the guys I, I, and often you wow. see the bachelor kind of intervening and going um well are you guys here for each other or are you guys coming to see me or you know it almost becomes like uh, a, a, a resurrection of a res or a, a sort of a you know a boys club it's quite
4: quite it's, fascinating it's weird that you know they say that that men bond through experiences right and women bond through conversation now, so during the experience of them all being in the mansion together and all experiencing the same things, they really formed a really close-knit group of friends. And they all became brothers in arms. Whereas on The Bachelor, the first couple of seasons, yes, the girls were friends, but not really so chummy-chummy in the house. Subsequent to or the mansion, subsequent to the mansion um, a number of them have become really good friends after the show is finished. Here, you will see these guys all such budding bromances, like you will not believe. Um, and they're all really good friends. In fact, I think they, a lot of them are still friends even after the show's finished uh, shooting. So you'll see that definitely in this season as well.
1: So you mean they've walked away with something, some sort of relationship, even if it's not uh, married? <laughs> <Yes. laughs>
4: they <got> a new <laughs> exactly. drinking buddy or a new golf buddy or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah uh, possibly a drinking buddy. I don't know if any of them played golf, actually. No, I don't think so. <laughs> So, Justin, from from your perspective, I mean, you've hosted
1: now uh, two of these seasons. You're going into the third one now. Uh, what's it like uh, from a presenting perspective? Because we've seen that the international uh, Bachelor and Bachelorette hosts have almost become typecast. I mean, they are the hosts of the Bachelorette Australia, the Bachelor uh, United States. You know, you almost can't imagine them doing anything else except, uh, you know, host these shows.
4: Well, you know, in South Africa, I think it's a little bit different um and difficult because we never really have shows that last more than one or two seasons um usually um so to have a third season of a show i'm very chuffed about it and i don't mind being typecast being the host of the bachelor to be honest because it suits my image i love wearing suits um and uh, I, I enjoy the show and i enjoy what the show is about finding love alex finding true love <laughs> and uh, I think that's uh, the best part about it all is actually watching these journeys taking place and uh, seeing someone find someone that they truly like and end up loving. So I don't mind being typecast for something like this in South Africa, the pool's really small to choose from. So I don't mind overseas. I think it's quite a large selection of different shows that these people can host. I mean, if I think about it, Chris Harrison who hosts the bachelor also hosts who wants to be a millionaire Asha, um, Osher Gunsberg, who does uh, Bachelor Australia, he does Bachelor and he does Idols. In fact, I think he does oh, The Masked Singer as well in Australia. So they, they're able to, to branch out. Um, we don't have that many shows here. I know Love Island is going to be starting soon, but you know that, that would be too closely related, hosting The Bachelor and Love Island. And I know they've got um, Leonie Durant, who's hosting Love Island. So that's quite interesting. I'm looking forward to that.
1: So what happens is sort of off screen, you know, I mean, people really get invested in this show, like, you know, they start picking their favorites, they start having the ones they hate, the ones they love. Uh, I mean, do you see a lot of that then unfolding on social media? Does it get quite nasty, become quite vicious Uh, or or, or, or are people generally quite real about the fact that this is a TV show and, and this is how things generally work?
4: That's the best part about the show. Everyone watching the show starts relating to different characters and seeing themselves as those characters and understanding, not, not understanding what these guys are really going through. They just seeing what they want to see on TV from a production and from an editing perspective, they'll start telling them what they should have done. And why did you choose that person? Why did you choose that person? I would have chosen that person. How dare you choose that person? And then um, they would verbalize it through social media. And unfortunately, the people who go onto the show, the, the ladies from season one and season two, they got a lot of flack, a lot of flack on social media. And it's, it's unnecessary. We all understand that social media can be really um, harsh because again, it's people behind keyboards. They don't know the people. What's interesting though about the show is that you're obviously going to get the haters. You're going to get the lovers. And the haters, as much as they hate a character, because remember, the, once you're on TV, you're no longer a real person. You're a character. You're the you're the lover, you're the fighter, you're the jock. Um, you know, you, you become a character and not necessarily what we do, but how the audience perceives you. They perceive you as that character and therefore you are that character. You're not a real person. So I'm going to talk to you about your character. They could hate you as a jock and they will lambaste you all over social media, but they meet you in real life. Gosh, they'll be the first person to run up to you and ask for a selfie. You know, so it's, it's, it's very interesting, but there will be that this, this season. Definitely.
1: Now, I know that South African television budgets are always slightly restrained. I mean, it's, it's not sort of the US or Australia or Europe, but uh, have you put, uh, <laughs> put quite a bit behind sort of the dates? I mean, that's always sort of the, uh, you know, the, the draw card to a lot of the episodes is where they're going to go, what are they going to do, how mm. ridiculous or how splendid is it going to be?
4: Well, look, we did what we could. We were incredibly restricted because, you know, we need to make sure that everyone understands the fact that we were shooting during lockdown. So we were very um, restricted into where we could go and what we could do from a COVID protocol perspective. So we did the best what we could. Budget aside, um, we could have had $150 million. The, the, the end of the, at the end of the day, the point was we weren't able to do a number of different things because of the fact that COVID was around. So we did what we could. We still made the dates look beautiful. Um, and I think from a filming perspective, it it's, ranks right up there. With the kind that you see overseas. Uh, really very pretty settings, um, gorgeous dates, and different dates as well, which obviously you'll see.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the accommodation setup with uh, the guys. I know most of the times uh, the ladies used to stay in the house. Uh, there was sort of yeah. like a room share kind of setup. Is it the same with the guys? Is it a very similar kind of uh, concept?
4: Yeah, yeah, exactly the same. Um, the mansion's pretty big. And so the guys were, you know, staying on one side of the mansion, some of the guys were staying on the other side of the mansion. Um, And Kunitsua, of course, she's sitting, um, she's sitting, or sitting, she's sleeping in another obviously part of the world, if you will, because she can't share the mansion with the guys, it would be, Um, that just wouldn't work out. So uh, they all stay in the mansion, and then she'll come and uh, visit them during cocktail parties um, and the various dates. So yeah, they all stay together. They... We find out who the snorers are, we find out who the, um, who the, who the farters are, we find out uh, who, uh, who makes the most noise, who laughs the loudest, we find all that stuff out. and I think that's quite interesting, what's, what's interesting about the show is the fact that you don't really see the behind or off camera things when they all go to bed, when they first wake up in the morning, but it comes out and you'll see it's, it's quite funny watching the dynamics change as the show goes on.
1: Well, we've had two bachelors now and they ended up with a a young lady and it kind of went well for a while and then sort of it just fizzled out. What's your take on that? Like, I mean, is there a a surefire success to the show? Is there a certain way to approach it that you could walk away with some sort of success or what makes those relationships only last for a certain time and then sort of just fade away?
4: Yeah, I think um, I mean if you look at this, the the series overseas in the US, um, I mean the success rate hasn't been great um, overseas. Australia, the very first season, those two people are still together and they just had their first kid, um, and and I think it's you know what you get you get put into this this bubble if you will, forget COVID for a moment, but you're still put into this bubble first season, second season, where you are the only guy with twenty old ladies. There's 20 odd ladies and you're the only guy. So there's going to be eventually a natural form of attraction. You're not exposed to any external elements. There's nobody else besides those girls in the bubble. There's no um, real life situations that you find where there's no cameras around. So it's really difficult. So you're forced into that situation to find someone that you click with and you do find someone that you click with, but when real world reality or when reality kicks in, um, and you go to this event and that event, and there's no more cameras anymore, and you can start being a bit more yourself. Sometimes might not work out in that regard, um, but if you look at season two, Mark and Russia, um, they're still together, and they very much still together. I know there was a bit of a hiccup at one stage, but they're back.
1: Well, it's interesting you mentioned that. It's it's almost like you become disconnected from reality, and then suddenly, after hmm. weeks of sitting in this sort of dome or this bubble of uh, of almost an unreality, almost a fantasy. You're not having to deal with the everyday issues of taking out the garbage, going to right. the shops. Uh, and also, I guess there's also this weird period where you, you, you know what's happened because this is all pre-recorded. I mean, none of this is live. So you kind of have to keep everything under wraps until the show has basically run
4: its course. You know, you, you're not living together. Um, that's the other thing. You're not sharing each other's space 24-7. Um, and I think that's what's interesting about the whole Mark and Marissia um, thing is the fact that literally as the show started airing, they were already together and because they were, everyone in the whole country was now on lockdown, they were almost forced to share the same space together so, which, is, which is brilliant and I think that's what uh, really kind of just made things work for them but yeah, I think it's, uh, it's not real world dating. You don't just go and date that one person and then maybe a couple nights later you see them again and a couple nights later you see them again just that one person yeah, you're seeing a whole bunch of people at once. <laughs> so it's it's uh it's not uh, um, what's the word? It's it's not real, but it is real because all the feelings and all the, the tears and all the rest that you see on the show, those are real. So it's yeah.
1: Jason, do you also become the shoulder to cry on for a lot of the the contestants who are either the bachelor or the bachelorette uh, once no. the, once the show once the show kind of stops recording? Because they must be feeling quite lonely in this process. I mean, they've got thirty <laughs> potential candidates, but. They don't have like that best mate that they can just phone up and say, "Listen, you know, I don't know what to do here, or I'm not sure how to handle this." Uh, you know, do, do you become sort of that that sounding board, or do you or do you just leave them to their own devices and 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 hope they sort of make the right
4: decisions? So you're talking about after the show?
1: Well, after each episode. So they've they've gone on a date. They've now gone through this whole rose ceremony. There's been tears. There's been all of that. Now, mm-hmm. you know, this individual who is now going home to sort of a, a, an isolated place wherever they stay I mean do they just have to kind of just live with their own thoughts or or do they kind of come to you afterwards geez Jason you know that was a rough day today or you know I don't know how to deal with this or I can't have this anymore
4: so what happens is the the contestants I'm trying to think of a better word for contestants the the would-be suitors so the would-be suitors, um, they'll go on a date and they'll come back. And if things aren't going well, they discuss it with the other would-be suitors. Um, I'm really there just to facilitate. If there are any issues, we do have a psychologist, which if there are any sort of major issues, they can go and chat to them. So when they leave the mansion, once they haven't been offered a rose, that night they'll go home, um, and then the next morning they go and chat to psychologists to make sure that they're okay and you know understand how the whole process works, um, and making sure that they that, you know they tick to they're going to be okay to move on with the rest of their lives. And then they can be set free into the world. must remember as well that these guys have their whole families. They have friends and all the rest of to chat to much better friends than I am ever would be. I mean, I've just kind of met them as well on the show. So they need someone they can really trust and confide in, which would be their friends and family during the show. I'm that sort of sounding board for the bachelorette or bachelor, if you will on screen and off screen, we, we chat. Um, I am, there is a sort of a fine line not to be crossed between what I know about what's going in the mansion and what I need to let them know because they need to find that out for themselves. In no way am I able to kind of give them any information about what they said. Um, let's say Penito goes on a date with one of the guys and they come back from the, man, they come back from the date and then Penito goes home and this guy goes home. When he goes back to the mansion with the other guys, I know what's happened. And if Clint Eastwood has to ask me, so what did they all talk about after the date? I, I can't tell you because that's what Clint Eastwood and the the, the guys to, to figure out.
1: And that's where the tension and excitement comes. So, well, Jason, it's been great chatting to you. I think this has been quite a fascinating chat and I look forward to uh, some more Bachelor chat. I know we've got some plans to uh, to do some regular check-ins on uh, this uh, first season of The Bachelorette, oh, but brilliant. The, the third edition yeah. of uh, uh, The, the Bachelor-Bachelorette franchise. The
4: Bachelorette, yeah. Well, conversation. You- so here's the thing. So, I mean, there's The Bachelor and Bachelorette. Um, they're the same, but they're not the same. They are kind of two different franchises. So this is The Bachelorette. And um, I- I'm, I'm really looking forward to chatting to you as the season progresses. I'm really looking forward to hearing what the public thinks of, of the guys and um, what the public thinks of Kuniso as well. So It's going to be a really exciting season. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun.
1: Well, we're looking to do some some YouTube lives, uh, you know, as this thing progresses, so we can get people to interact, and we can maybe get some previous contestants mm. on as well, and, uh, yeah, yeah. and those things, and uh, you know, and then always to see who, who gets the you know the the final the final rose. Well, the <laughs> what rose is that? It's it's my Lego rose. <laughs> uh, I mean, I got this from Lego at some point, and I always thought, why, oh, why would you do something like this? But obviously, there's some <laughs> use for it. but then for the for the for the guys, it's a a, a butanier, I think they call it, huh? Or a, <laughs> I think that's the correct pronunciation. I actually, looked this up at some point. So yeah, Sounds so the French. This should be yeah, very, you know, the French. So they were <laughs> best words. So, Jason Griff, thank you so much for joining us uh, for this uh, interview, and uh, look forward oh. to catching up with
4: you as we progress. Dude, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate the chat. I'm looking forward to chatting to you again soon. Definitely.
0: You're listening to the Santon Times podcast. <laughs> Interesting
1: times, and uh, one of the big uh, moves at the moment is obviously the online education space. People are looking at uh, educating themselves differently, digital education, but also thinking about evolving your career. How many people have been found without jobs right now, without uh, you know, entire businesses, entire industries? They're having to relearn the way they do things. They have to maybe even consider doing a whole different kind of job in 2021, so I thought, let me get uh, Gregory Martin on. Uh, he's the CEO of Career Pathing Solutions. Uh, Gregory, good morning to you.
5: Morning, Alexander. Uh,
1: Gregory, let's talk about uh, what you guys do. Tell us a little bit more about uh, about your business.
5: Uh, Career Pathing Solutions is a, a accredited training provider where we offer relevant and occupational programs to companies for their employees as well as the public, looking at the youth to try and upskill them with relevant skills so that they can be job ready and understand the world of work.
1: So what does that mean in 2021? How has that changed in the last uh, 12 months? In
5: 2021, it's a bit different because if you look at, um, let's talk about the youth. In schools these days, they don't focus a lot on getting your learners work ready. For example, the relevant skills that they need for the job market um, is, is lacking. Even the basic interview skills, just understanding what the skills you need within a job. So when we when we offer learning programs, we make sure it's what the industry requires. For example, we focus a lot on manufacturing and engineering programs, and then we also add value-added skills. For example, job readiness program, taking them to in uh, understanding interview skills, as well as when you in the job what. How should you act professionalism? Because the youth of today, they, they lack from that sort of um, skills that they need for the job market.
1: And how severe is that skill shortage? I mean, are we talking about a little bit of a, a panel beating or is it a complete overhaul?
5: I would say it's a complete overhaul because even if you can see when we have graduates that can't find work, and I think it's all about, if you look at work readiness program, it talks about the basics of being professional, um, being on time, just getting to the basics of, of job employability. Because, for example, these days, people, it's, it's become a norm um where people come 15 minutes 10 minutes late um, not meeting requirements if management says to 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 you i want to report by that time they don't take it that serious like the older generation used to everything is just more relaxed And I think job readiness helps you to understand that there's deadlines, there's accountability, there's ethics, there's responsibility. And if you have that basics, then you'll succeed in the job market. But over and above that as well, we we need to focus on occupational skills and not just theory and academics. So we will, for example, if learners do learnerships, there's theory component of about 30%, but 70% is practical work experience. So by the time they're done with their program, they will know the, practical part of that job so when you for example when we have a call center program when we place that learner in a call center they will know the ins and out of a call center operation what's required what is needed for them to succeed it's not just theory but more practical as well
1: now a lot of this has obviously had to move online during this time uh, how have you adapted to now not possibly having physical classes anymore where everything has to happen in a very different world
5: what we were, what we were looking at, because remember, we we still a developing country, we don't have the capacity in terms of telecommunications, especially in your more. Uh, PDI communities, privileged disadvantaged communities. So we didn't want to just go online and have that capacity, but then you you can't recruit learners and help learners because there's no funds for connectivity. So we had to come up with an approach to say how can we how can we adapt to this pandemic as well as make sure we keep in mind the need of the learner. So we we developed the online platform for learners, but very important. We have different methods. It's an online platform where learners that have the capacity can go do a program 100% full online. But then we have a blended approach that is more equipped for your learners from previously disadvantaged communities, where they can do some of it online. We have facilitators, assessors in the system that guides them. But then we have minimal contact where when this pandemic uh, dies a bit in terms of the peak, then we can have contact sessions to make sure we, we cover those areas where they couldn't get to online. And I I did my master's degree in blended learning, and a lot of recommendations for South Africa learning at this day and age is is an approach of both online and blended. So we make a mixture to make sure we don't miss anyone. They don't fall from the wayside. If they don't have connectivity or money for data, we can still um, look after them to complete their programs. (laughs)
1: Well, Gregory, by the sound of things, uh, from what I pick up, is that online is a huge opportunity in terms of educating South Africans en masse, in terms of reaching everybody, making sure everyone gets access to quality education. At the same time, it's the cost of data, it's the access to the internet that is actually one of the biggest hindrances. um, And that is probably something that uh, parliament and government should probably uh, look at quite carefully.
5: Yes, government is as we speak now government is busy looking at connectivity in the in the uh, impoverished areas because they know what one thing this pandemic showed us is that we need to upgrade our capacity in terms of technology and also if we look down the line the fourth industrial revolution is here so the whole way of doing things the whole way of learning is currently changing and we don't want we don't want a split in society where there's learners that's progressing and other learners are left behind because of there's no capacity a good example can be now where private schools for example they with the pandemic, the impact wasn't so heavy in terms of they could still learn online and get everything online. But if you go to the public schools, Those learners couldn't do and learn online. So they were handicapped from that point of view. So government is working hard to make sure they build that capacity so that it's not just for schools, but also tertiary education where we don't leave youth behind. Because if that happens, then again they're gonna have problems in finding jobs, they won't be employable because they don't have the occupational qualification they need.
1: So if anyone wants to find out more about career pathing solutions, where do they go?
5: We have two websites, Alexander. The first one is for our corporate companies, your HR managers, where we train the employees is www.cps-sd.co.za. Then our online academy is www.cpsacademy.co.za.
1: Fantastic. Well, that's Gregory Martin. He's the CEO of Career Pathing Solutions. Thank you so much for joining us on the Santon Times Podcast.
0: Online. Mobile. Anywhere. This is the Santon Times Podcast.
1: Right, that's it for another episode of the Santon Times Podcast. If you want to get in touch, uh, share your stories, provide some feedback, you can email editor at santontimes.co.za. You can also connect with the Santon Times at Santon Times on social media. And then don't forget, our blog is under construction, but uh, I'm really looking forward to sharing the New Look blog with you. You can subscribe, share, and leave a review or rating of this podcast on your favorite podcast platform wherever you listen to this. Thank you to my guests on this week's episode. Don't forget, it's a new year. There's new opportunities. So let's go out and smash it. Thank you for listening. And let's connect again next week.